Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. This is Dumdy Dum, the show about the reality docu drama that centered on Amridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the high tech plate meter that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the herd of starving cattle that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our failed grass crop is you. Now today's Dumdy Dum is not from Dusty Substances, as she said she recorded one on her recorder and it sounded so horrifying she wouldn't send it to us. So. <laughs> Yes, again, we have to dig into our vaults, people. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a new version of a Dumpty Dum. People ringing in to tell us why they haven't done one. <laughs> it's like an anti-Dumpty Dum. It's a reverse Dumpty Dum. Well, I feel like we haven't actually had a Dumpty Dum in, in a little while. It's been all nine to yeah. five and stuff. And I do yeah, love your, yeah. your creativity, folks. And I say that because we need fresh Dumpty Dum. So please, somebody come to the age of the party by doing us a dumpy dum for next week but this week we have to delve into our vaults and who knows what i've put at the start of the show because i do that after i've recorded this segment so <laughs> there you go there's a little bit of light into the magic that is dumpy dum um so uh but lucy if folk want to take up the cudgel so to speak yes. and do us a dumpy dum how can they do that if you'd like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or discover that Mongolian yurts feature silver services and Persian carpets, then ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Thanks also to Derek, who this week has taken advantage of Kate's introductory offer and has been trying out yoga. He managed to salute to the sun, but he got a bit carried away doing the downward-facing dog. And Auntie Cardboard had to prise him off her leg. Stop it. Stop it with your naughtiness, <laughs> Freeman. There's me stop. It's been non-stop naughtiness this week on Les Archers. Has well, it not? with specifically two sets of... Uh, yeah, with two couples. Yes. 
Yes. Lots of giggling and furtiveness and then sneaking out in the dead of night. But we'll yes. come to that later. Sorry. Big Ben's going off. There you are. On, Don't know who Big Ben is. <laughs> on this week's... Well, isn't he the, uh, the smallest archer? Yes. On this week's episode, we have calls from Joe, who's been arguing with us. Claire, who liked the fake showdown. So did I, and about time too. Dusty Substances, who cannot understand why anyone likes the junior archers. Yokel Bear, who's quite enjoyed a lot of sexy sweet. <laughs> why is he sharing the intimate coming on of his personal life archers. with us? I don't know. Oh, okay, right. Um, nice to have you back, Yokel Bear. Steve, who wants to know who's eating his tea. Catherine Rowan Jones. Oh, what a lovely name. Catherine Rowan Jones, who wants more lesbians. Nigel, who's disturbed about condom machines. And Goddess Diva, she's back. Grums, we've got a West Country connection back, haven't we? Goddess Diva and Yokel Bear. Goddess Diva, mm-hmm. who wants a restraining order on harassment burns. I think, Goddess Diva, your, your obsession with this man's going a little bit too far. But first, <laughs> before we do the caller in us, before we talk about yurts and then I segue into talking about Marco Polo on Netflix, it's Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge. Harassment Burns is regretting taking on the captaincy of the sinking ship that is the Ambridge Cricket Club. He agonised over his team talk. It was very good, actually. This is a game of three halves, people. Kick it as hard <laughs> as you can. Don't run with the ball and mm-hmm. hit it hard with the curly stick. It worked and they won. 91 goals to three tries and then they won on penalties. Elf World is taking off more than the tea room is. The tea fur service is embarking on a Brazilian theme. Triangular shaped scones with little tiny strips of jam up the middle. In other news, fried pastries do not go with a cup of tea. They go with a pint of lager and they are called sausage rolls. Thank you. Adam is trying to coerce someone else into coming on a school trip with him to Fairywood Farm, twinned with mm-hmm. Elf World. Honestly, I do not know what it is with Ambridge. No one will go anywhere without at least two other people. It's like a school trip being organised on WhatsApp. Is Adam <laughs> going? I'm only going if Tom goes. Tom, Tom, are you going? I'll go if you go. Adam, is Brian going? Brian said he wanted to go, but now he can't go. Lol. Um, a property <laughs> developer has visited Grange Farm and decided to chop it all into holiday flats. Holiday flats with an under-sofa water feature. Apparently, it's because a tree has been uprooted, but my money is on Joe not being able to make it off the sofa in the babe station breaks. Mm. Pip and Ruth had a massive debate over whether or not to open up the silage clamp. Oh, open it. <laughs> or not. Who cares? Throw caution to the winds. The grass has stopped growing or the cows don't like it. Maybe they're picky eaters. We don't really like this grass. It's got bits in it. Can we have the other grass like we normally have? <laughs> Rex, never the brightest light in the harbour, did not catch on to the fact that Toby and Pip have been rogering each other senseless for the past fortnight. This is despite Pip being the most inept keeper of the secret ever. Toby... Have I seen Willie? Toby's Willie? Toby, I mean. No, I haven't seen him without his friends from. I mean, no, I haven't seen him. Alice, the engineering, wedding planning, astrophysicist, farm technologist, was playing a long game with the firm that she is convinced is gagging for her services, what with all her extensive experience in um, in bunting. Even Brian asked her for <laughs> advice on Nuffield scholarships. I knew a great deal about them, she said. My husband's friend Jordan went for one. And what happened? He did not get it. You see, that's why they should be paying Alice the big money. 
It's Tom that's going to do a Nuffield scholarship in baby food. I know, I know. Buy organic vegetables. Put them in a blender until they go either khaki or orange. All baby food is either khaki or orange. Then you paste it onto the baby's hair, up the baby's nose, and cement it onto the baby's <laughs> high chair. There is no point trying to put it in the baby's mouth. Once it has gone solid and crusted over, baby will pick it off, hair and nose, inspect it, and throw it at the cat. I would like a Nuffield scholarship, please, thank you. As there are no banks in Ambridge or Borsetshire, all money has to come from either Justin or Peggy. This is fact. Mm. Brian went with his begging bowl to Uncle Justin to ask him to sponsor Tom. However, Justin was a trifle distracted by Lillian, who appeared to be fertling around with his culvert while he was on the phone. It's amazing how Justin can also pretend he's not in Ambridge when I presume he has a car parked outside the Dower House. But then Ambridge must be full of top-class Mercedes cruising back and forth, mustn't it? Barely noticeable. Tom and Peggy had a patronising little conversation about Kaz. She looks about 15, code for she is thick and yet she has three children <laughs> oh then she's an unthinking slapper oh how funny then we moved on to titchy knob and peggy forgot in a heartbeat that she'd ever liked dear rob to whom she has bequeathed her house a large check and her blessing jill had a chat with caroline about shula yeah yeah mm. caroline is now slowly turning into joanna lumley and absolutely fabulous what's happened by the way how come the entire village has now suddenly accepted that rob is a tosser have tom and pat hired a sky writing plane none of us have noticed did that happen <laughs> as well, well a long way continue anyway the organization of the fate groaned on it's going to be very traditional but with a south american theme tombola morris dancing cocaine smuggling and a coup Linda approached the Fate Committee with all the creativity and democratic openness of North Korea, and as a result, Kenton and Fallon are going to turn the Fate into Chessington World Misadventure. And Kim Jong Linda has thrown in the towel in a fit of pique and stropped off. Don't worry, Alice will step in. Now she has started talking again. There is no bloody stopping her. And Pat visited the dread Titchy Knob. He was unpacking the dishwasher. Could you move out of the way of the knife drawer, Pat? He said. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree and I've only just held onto my knackers after your daughter had a go at them. The end! I enjoyed that this week. Well done, Freeman. Though I need to pull, take it to task with a few facts. Oh. Right, yes. I don't think yes. there's... I'm strong facts, as we know. Mm. Well, you, you said about, you know, uh, coups in, in South America. I don't think there's been a military coup in South America since the 1980s. So it's a bit like your Francois Mitterrand. What's... Hmm? There was one, though. When? In the 1980s, you just said. Sit. But it's like your references are so odd, a bit like, you know, dredging up Francois Mitterrand last week. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's a new century woman. It's a new millennium. Not for me. Some of us were happy with the old one. Anyway, carry on. You could, yes? have, you could have said Turkey to keep it a bit more contemporaneous. That's no, because one. it's a South American theme. Turkey yeah, is named but, South America. Yeah, it? but no. that, that's my whole point. Right, that you could have come, you could have come up with a nice footballing analogy or something or another. <sighs> Feel but free you, to rush you. You. <laughs> you fell back in an old stereotype, which is no longer relevant to that continent politically. That's, That's... number one. Number two, you said there's only yeah, two banks. Her, as David said, <laughs> you said there's only two banks in in Ambridge. That's not true. What about the Bank of Brian? But it was the Bank of Brian that was going to the Bank of Justin. Yeah, but you said there were two banks in... So, he's a bank then. There you go. Right, OK. Right. Yes. And 
I would say there's even another bank, right? And that is that offshore international bank that's based in Hungary called Debbie. Oh, yeah. No, come on. You can't. Kate doesn't. But Kate's Hello, not. Hello. She did. She bankrolled it. I know. But Kate, Kate's the only person that's you borrowed can't money be, you can't, from Brian You can't Debbie. be doing your monologue, which is the highlight of the whole bloody show with inaccuracies all over the place. That's all I'm saying. Right. This isn't apart a coincidence. I'm not saying this because <laughs> you're from that, it was quite funny. <laughs> apart from the wild inaccuracies. Um, so, but what did you think of all the sexiness? The condom machine and the and the Lillian's phone call or just Lillian fiddling with just... Well, we presume it was Lillian. <laughs> Could have been Miranda. You never know. <laughs> um, uh, Miranda, Miranda no, doesn't look no. like she... Um, Miranda's not, not a fun person, is she? What did I think of the sexy business? I think that... I don't know, to be honest with you. The sex is making Pierpat to be a slightly more interesting character than she was before. But still, for some strange reason, I still don't quite believe it. Because she's mm. been painted to be, um, you know, a sheet of, of A4 paper, she's as interesting as that, that... The fact that all of a sudden she's this modern woman who says, you know, we can just be friends with benefits. And she's mm. somewhat calling the shots with Toby Fairbrother, who is a, a, a committed swordsman, so to speak. I don't quite believe it. Um, that I think this is as much of a character about face as, as we've had after she, you know, graduated from, from uni. And then all, all of a sudden has become this um, rather conservative uh, but committed to the farm archer. Whereas before, you know, she was all about social media and radical new ideas and stuff with old Pip. Yeah. So I, I don't quite buy it, but I'm listening to it. And for me, the much more believable dynamic is between Toby and Rex. And now we have, you know, Toby trying to steer Rex away from Pip. That That's yeah. much more believable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, one minute Pip was... Well, she's she's still she's still boring, and in in in, in this way, and in that way, she very much is her father's daughter. In that she's just a stand-up character, but for us listeners, she's she you know she kind of lacks any kind of real depth, or you don't really empathise with her. Right. That's what I think about that part of the bonkings. Now the other the other part, you know, I'm all up for it. You know that. I'm like Lillian, <laughs> Justin, do your geriatric grey thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> lots of fun then, pair, and <laughs> and she is somebody who who likes life. And there she was tiggling Justin's fancy whilst he was on the phone uh, to Brian. And you know, I love that. You know, I thought that was a, a nice little touch. What did you think, Freeman? I did. I just liked Brian's reaction. Justin, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> know what's going on with justin mm. somebody started shouting halfway through our phone call anyway <laughs> i don't know I, I don't i kind of think it's kind of like they've said right uh let's it's, everyone's been very serious for a long time and everyone's been moaning about um everyone's been moaning about serious storylines so let's just have a bit of frivolity and it's kind of turned into a bit of a six-form party you know mm. for a bit but you know it's quite i quite like the idea of um of him restocking supplies from the condom machine in the bull. I had no idea there was a condom machine in the bull. No. The bull either. never strikes me as anywhere you would go 
despite this sort of um, how many how many relationships have well actually they not many relationships have started in the bull really because mm. it is so you couldn't have an affair in the bull because everybody you know and is related to is going to come wandering through at some point during the evening <laughs> aren't you you could you'd have to go sodding miles away mm. penny used... has it at least <laughs> they used to talk about the amount of visitors they got to the village you know people that would arrive on a sunday like for sunday lunch etc if you if you imagine that well then it's understandable that the condom machine would need to be restocked because there's going to be you know young couples just They're out probably pre pre war condom <laughs> <laughs> you have to put in two and six to get a pack of three S- silly throwaway fact here second world war um i think it's the period where um uh, germany's invaded russia and uh, before America comes in, we are trying to help the Russians by give, giving them some stuff, so to speak, uh, in terms of kind of like um, land lease or lend lease, sorry. And, you know, we're just like properly, you know, knackered ourselves. And Churchill, who never liked Stalin at all, said uh, in, in one of the many shipments of stuff, like the Russians says, we need some tanks and uh, we need some planes and you know we give them our proper knackered old stuff and uh, he says and also Churchill decides to give them a whole load of condoms and he says to the condom manufacturer make them three sizes too big (laughs) (laughs) true fact go 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 and google it we sent the Russians deliberately condoms that were too big so they had a somewhat inflated size of British manhood so (laughs) Little fact in the Second World War, that, folks. Yes. So, on that historical note, shall we go to the caller in, Yes. Hello, Ambridge 3962. From condoms to Joe in Staffordshire. Hey, Dotty Dom. Joe here, which we're choosing on Twitter. I'm a first-time caller in um, admin, I am. Uh, I work for a craft business, and I've got two kids and one dog. And usually, I walk my dog through the beautiful Staffordshire Moorlands and argue with Lucy and Roy about all the things they're discussing. So today it's been too hot to walk, and then came back and I thought while I was still arguing with them, I'd bring up a couple of points. My first is about Bruce. I thought you'd be interested to hear what Marcus Brookstock said. And he was a public school boy, and he had some interesting points about boys who'd been sent away to school at seven. He basically said that he felt that if he sent away a boy away at seven to boarding school, he was broken for his life and he couldn't feel empathy or feel the same way as other people felt. He was an alcoholic at 17 and he still struggles with food addiction. He basically said that all sort of the eaten lot, the people who'd done that from a very early age. We're all broken and never sort of empathised with the rest of us. So maybe we're, um, maybe this is where Rob and Bruce's problems come from. My second point would be Pip. I'm really disappointed with her. She knows that Rex really haunts her. Even if she didn't know, Alice had told her. She'd actually said, he's really, like, into you. And I know when you're that age, it's really nice, especially if you just split up somebody, to have somebody chase you and fancy you. But the meanest thing is, one, to lead him on by cuddling him and telling him what a good friend he is. 
and then to jump into bed with his brother. It's just, it's not fun. Just thinking of how that guy's going to be feeling. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Hello, Joe, um, And thank you very much for remembering again all of Royfield's uh, bylaws about being a first-time caller in a... Well done, um, sir. It's a woman. Oh, well, well done, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that should be the dum uh, dum greeting. Somebody said something well quite... Well done, you. Yeah, I think somebody said, and I think it was M... What's our uh, what's our lovely lovely uh Emily Thomas. Yeah, I did get it right. It was Emily. Um she said hello you too, but I think it should be well done. What did I just say? I can't even well think. Done you. Yeah, well done you. That should be the dum dum greeting. Okay. There you go. I've well I've laid down the law. Okay. Linda Snell yep. style. Now, do you want so to play Fallon to my diktat? Pardon? Do you want to play Fallon to my Linda Snell diktat and go no? <laughs> oh yes, we need to talk about that as well. Mm. Not very pleased, Fallon. Oh, very little we're respect. We're on opposite sides of the fence. I, well, of course you're going to defend Fallon. No, no, no. Um, I've forgotten. I really fancy it. When was the last time <laughs> I mentioned that I fancied Fallon? Last week. That's rubbish. It's not. You did. I can't remember why, but you did. I didn't. You, did. you need to go back and listen to that podcast. I never. I haven't mentioned me fancying Fallon in since 1953. I think you'll find coronation year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when british soldiers had massive willies um joe from staffordshire keeps arguing with us on her dog walk mm. um she says about pip leading rex on did she lead him i think she did because she had been as she reminded us she had been told point blank blank by alice mm. that he fancied her yeah, but she and she, she still she didn't believe it though, did she? At least that's what oh. we led to believe. And wasn't that a bit of you nice know though grey you know. area script writing? Yeah, you know. So she is not a sire. She is a very naughty girl. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine about mm. this storyline, and he said he was actually finding it really painful to listen to because he's been put in the friend zone so often, <laughs> three times. <laughs> His friend has gone off with the girl that he really liked and they kind of kept it a bit quiet because they felt bad. So, wait a minute, is he just like a really, really, really nice guy? He is. He is. And, uh, yeah. What's and the... he, he he said it just, it just, you know, he said he found it really, really hard to listen to because everything that she was saying and all the, you know, Rex thinking, right, I'm going to give up. All right, well, no, I won't give up because then she'll... You know, but then what if she changes her mind and then I've given up on the one day that she might just say yes and all this sort of thing and, you know, putting himself through the ringer. He's done all that. He is. Uh, why do you want to know that? Because if I'm presuming that your friend is around your age and he without wanting to be too brutal, I would have said he should have a little bit more self-awareness by now to actually know the reasons why. Um, well, I don't think it's going to happen again. I think it's just brought back horrible memories of oh, times it's Oh, oh, Is he a sensitive soul, your friend? He is. Because love is war, Lucy. No point. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> You've been no. dumped again. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm the dumper, not the dumpy. <laughs> You're dump. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Have we got to the end of this first time caller in a call? We have. Oh, excellent. 
Right. Uh, well, I hope that's all cleared it up for you, Mrs. <laughs> I'm sure it's just completely confused her. Anyway, should do the next one. This is Claire. Hi, Royfield and Lucy and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Claire from Clapham here. Um, just ringing in, it's been a while since I did, uh, to say how much I have enjoyed Wednesday's episode of The Archers in which we've got the final showdown between, well, a, a big showdown between Fallon and Linda. Um, I think I referred to this uh, brewing a few weeks ago in, in a call that I made. Uh, and, you know, I, I love Linda and goodness knows she has served the village for 30 years. Um, and I think she's getting a bit on her high horse about this and good on Fallon for bringing a bit of fresh blood to the whole party. Um, I think they're both fantastic assets to the village. If they can find a way to commun- you know, to link up their talents, it'll all be marvellous. But in the meantime, I look forward to massive rivalry over the content of the uh, village fate. Uh, and uh, I know we all have the storyline that shall not be named and things got really dramatic and will continue to do so. But, you know, arguments about the village fate are what makes the archers fantastic. Um, and I very much enjoyed that episode. Uh, so it showed all them off to their best advantage in many ways and anyway that's me for today bye she liked the showdown between Fallon and Linda me too go on then Freeman let's wildly disagree here I agree that that Linda can be a massive humongous pain in the arse but Mm. the village fate is not about commercial things and if it hadn't wasn't for Linda lots of village stuff would have died out Linda is, you know, when Fallon wants some help with a cause, Linda helps her. But then when she wants to take the piss out of her, she takes the piss out of her. And I felt that there was piss taking going on rather than constructive. No. Thank you for everything you've Couldn't done. Couldn't disagree but we just with you more. This is, this is the thing. This woman swanned into this village yesterday from Sunningdale. How long has she been? Yesterday. Been yeah. 25 years. Yeah. Yesterday. Right? Right. Yeah. And, and she has all the zeal of a newbie, right? Wanting yeah. to wanting to preserve things in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's nauseating. How many times? To- Twice a year, we have to sit through her and the bloody panto <laughs> dictating to everybody. And then there's yeah. the fate. And then we had this ridiculous re- resurgam nonsense, right? It, yeah. You know what? It's about time there's a revolution. Somebody needed to just to say no. And my Fallon said it. She had this coming. You know what? She could just said it in a nicer way, though. But you know what? There's been 20-odd years. No, more than 20-odd years. 30-odd years worth of resentment building up. And you know what? <laughs> the peasants just turned round and said, no. The peasants no. are revolting. Exactly. Yeah. And the fundamental point, I think, was absolutely valid. There's young families. Yeah, we all love a bit of a tombola. Right, we all love all of that, but I come did, on, come on! I did take her point about when exactly. she said you're trying to bend it to our to your taste. Exactly, which is what she because always she have does. To do a Britain's Got Talent. She'd want to do a bloody medieval, you know, mama play or something. Exactly, exactly. Mm. You know, the world is moving on from from the tastes of of Linda Snell has moved on, right? And mm. that point was absolutely valid. And somebody needed just to say no. And you know what? The village fate with a little bit of a Brazilian theme sounds much more entertaining and contemporaneous than bloody Duck the Vicar. 
right? Still have a little bit of that in the corner. Have a samba band. Lots of fun. Have a quick duck with the vicar in the corner. Don't need anything else. Exactly. So, well done, Fallon. However, what I will say is, you know, as soon as Linda's flounced off, because she can't work with people, she's just a dictator. She's Kim, Kim Il-jong or Kim Il-jung or whatever the hell, right? She's all of that. Fallon's realised, well, hmm, there's a certain amount of work to be done here. Yeah. Right? So you can see that Linda's going to sneak in through the back door, right? But I hope she's learnt her lesson. Now, I'm sure Cosmo is going to remind us that actually this has happened before in 1992, uh, <laughs> Christmas Panto, that somebody said no to Linda and she flounced off. I can't remember, right? But I'm sure it's probably happened before. But this is what was needed. Well done, Fallon. Well, at least it has varied the monotony of, um, you know, whether or not it will. And I do, I do have a soft spot for Linda and I do feel sorry for her. But at least it has, as you said, varied the monotony of, oh, it's all going to be a disaster. Oh, no, actually, it's all right. You know, hopefully we'll actually have some different stuff. Um and Emma staggering round saying, oh, Kira's loving the ice cream or whatever it is, you know. So it's kind of, it's all very much the same sort of stuff. So hopefully this will be slightly different. And it may even be a disaster, which would be lovely if we could actually have a, a thing that everyone, rather than everyone going, oh, it's going to be a disaster. And then it turns out to be fine. Mm. We could actually have somebody that says, it's going to be brilliant. And then it's an absolute pig's ear. That would be quite funny. That would be a good change. No, that would. That would, because you're forever saying that, and you're you're completely right. That how the scriptwriters have managed for thirty odd years to have <laughs> the same storyline that oh my gosh we're not going to pull this off, but it's all right on the night heaven only knows, and, yeah. and we put up with it. But part yeah. of it is is Linda's neuroses in the whole thing, and then Robert coming to hold yeah. her hand and whack up yeah. scenery and all this kind of stuff. So, yes, so it's about time we had a variation on that theme. Do you know, Lindy Bottom, don't panic, Lindy Bottom, I might have had an idea. Dum, da, 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 da. And then the next one, Robert, I can't, simply can't believe it. How did you do it? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Edit, cut, paste. Mm-hmm. Um, dusty Substances. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. Uh, It's been a little while, but uh, here I am again. Um, I'm just going back a little bit to um, Pip being so horrid about Bert's poem. And I'd just like to say it's totally true to character. The Brookfield children have been raised with all sorts of unpleasant attitudes, uh, I think. A sense of entitlement runs through the generations of archers, but... David and Ruth have added snobby arrogance and other things into the mix. They used to say things like, oh no, here comes Linda in front of their children. And that was after the children had had a lovely time when they did that, oh, I'm going to call it a wife swap thing. I'm sure that's wrong. Anyway, Linda came and looked after David and the children and and read stories and things um, to the children. And I just thought it was really horrible after all of that. Um... Pip was unspeakably rude and laid into Susan in the shop on one occasion, which, you know, you could sort of understand, but Ruth let her do that, and I I don't think parents should allow their children to be rude, but it was perfectly all right for um, an Ambridge, uh, sorry, an Archer child to do that, and... Uh, you know, this attitude to Bert is exactly in that in that sort of line of things, really. And just look at Josh. I mean, absolutely foul to Bert and to Neil. 
in recent times. You know, just, they're really... I'm amazed anybody likes that family at all, to be perfectly honest. Anyway, I think that's about it from me. Uh, been listening even when I haven't been calling ringing. So uh, thank you for all of that, everybody, and I'll speak soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. She really doesn't like the archers, as in the Brookfield archers, not the whole show. Mm. Um, I'd forgotten the home swap thing uh, about um, about when Linda took over at Brookfield. I'd forgotten that completely. Um Yes, I know there is a they were they are patronizing to Bert. It's it's yeah, it's quite a weird thing, isn't it? Having children who are born into a um a situation are born into a environment at home where they have staff in effect, i.e. Bert and they had um oh for God's sake, Susan's daughter, what's she called? I've gone completely blank. Emma. Emma cleaning and things like that. And no, they definitely they, they should not be allowed to be rude. I completely agree. Um, and Josh was foul to Neil also, uh, but that was that wasn't Neil. Josh wasn't being a dick to Neil because he was Neil. He was being a dick to Neil because Josh was being a dick because of the egg thing. He just got completely carried away, didn't he? I don't think that's anything to do with mm. him being not an archer. Um, mm. But it's tricky. I think you're being quite harsh, Dusty saying that they have a sense of entitlement can i just quickly jump in i love me some dusty substances right but she's fiercely loyal to the characters that she loves aren't you dusty you know you, you can't be knocking around with her kenton she'll let she'll let you have it with both barrels and, and equally the other side of that is oh i've forgotten her obsession with kenton that's why mm. she doesn't like the rest of the old there, of the you, go. there you go uh, there you go still love you yeah. dusty you and your Kenton fixation. <laughs> uh, yokel Bear. I got a brand new from my officer and I'll give you the key. Hello, Dumb to Dumb. It's Yokel Bear here calling from Yokelshire. There was quite a lot of sex this week, wasn't there? Which is quite perturbing for us Radio 4 fans. They perhaps should have put a warning on beforehand. Much clutching of pearls, I feel. Um, that's not a euphemism, by the way. So, yes, you had Lillian and that, that phone call. God, what was she doing to Justin? Actually, don't answer that. We really don't need to know. Toby and Pip sneaking around, though it seems quite an equitable relationship, you know. They're both getting something out of it. Um, Toby's getting sex and probably Pip's getting chlamydia. Can you imagine it? I think this is where this is going. In a couple of weeks' time, Rex will find out, so there'll be the Shakespearean kind of drama of the two brothers falling out. But then there'll be another part of the plot, which is Pip saying to Alice, um, would you mind going somewhere with me? And Alice replies, oh, what, what is it, a farming show? And Pip says, no, it's the clap clinic. I got a brand new from my officer and I'll give you the key. His prediction is Pip will get the clap. Ooh. And he's, he's... But Toby's buying condoms, though. So you yeah, can't get the clap. you can always have a condom failure, though, can't you? No, that's too obvious, isn't it? Mm. Pregnancy? Feigned pregnant? No. Well, anyway, no, no. I don't want to think too much about Pip's goings-on with, with Toby Fairbrother. But um, this is um, this is a, a little plea I'm putting out to you, uh, Mr Yokel Bear. A couple of weeks' time, I wonder if you'd like to do a show. And this is also goes out to you, horny boy. We can call it Man's Hour, 
when uh, when Lucy's on her holidays and we can just like take over the Dumby Dumb airwaves and do man stuff. So if you're <laughs> if you're up for it, DM me. I. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to be all, all macho now <laughs> yeah very funny are you going to be sitting there just like picking you know, with one hand up your nose and the other hand down the front of you of your trousers fiddling around and you know what that's a typical type of and... dismissive type of attitude I expect from you here's the thing a veritable Ambridge institution is going down the Swanee right Ambridge cricket we don't talk mm-hmm. about it we need the men who listen to this thing to have, you know, to give it the due solemnity. Yes, but sexual harassment burns is is on the case, isn't he? So it's all going to be, you know. <laughs> yeah, but in your monologues, it hardly gets mentioned. Hardly. Because it's so bloody dull. Oh, God. There you go. Well, it's just We've had moaning, enough of the matriarchy mm. here. We're just for one episode... We're going to take over the airways. Are you with me, brothers? What, you're going right. to do an hour on Ambridge cricket? Good bloody luck. You know what, why not? They don't stay we'll in go for an through... hour. Well, yeah, and then a skit like the opposition in half an hour. Lower Crocs, they had it last week, didn't they? <laughs> so, uh, we've got we've got to do this, boys. So, uh, that DM... was a very weird little thing again, wasn't it? That hmm. was another off-mic thing. They did it again. We had... Harassment saying to Fallon, hmm. I've messed up my team talk, it was shit. And she said, No, you're really good at team talks and you're a really mm. good captain. No, well, and, and then but, they go on and win the second half, but we didn't hear what he said to them. That's that's very true. Uh, but Rex did uh, basically say, Yeah, you need to be not so theatrical, you need to be yourself. Yeah, but then we didn't hear him doing that. No, no true, true, very true. And Again, yes. I'm fed up with not hearing things. Mm. It's like, and now on Radio 4, here's some of the archers. And you think, well, where's the rest of it? You are right, Luce. You are right. Even though no, I need... it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we are talking about various plot not... devices there, as opposed to really talking about Ambridge cricket per se. Yeah. But to give a team talk is not necessarily an easy thing. Now, I managed Dad's United a few years back. And we ambled along, and we were just proper rubbish, right? But, you know, we found... You were at the helm. They were proper rubbish. I find that hard to believe. Well, here's the thing. We're in this league, and everybody's about 10 years younger than us. There's a reason why we're called Ah. Dads United. Right. And all the other teams weren't Dads. So the first match we played, we lost 14-1. Oof. (laughs) Yeah. Second match, we lost 10-1. Okay. Then we got all the each match we got tighter and tighter in defence. So I think the we lost after seven games. We got down to three two, a three two defeat, which just felt like a total victory. You should have seen us <laughs> screaming and hollering when we lost three two. <laughs> we scored two goals and we only let in three. Actually won. <laughs> and then a couple of upstarts joined us. Funny enough, mm. one was called Josh, Josh and Oliver. There you go. Right. They were young. We were in Sing Hill, weren't you? They were black, funnily enough. Right. They had the most unblack sounding surnames ever. Okay. And and they and they were they absolutely kept it real, them pair. Right. They were aggressive, they weren't messing around. We won the next game two one. Wow. Yeah. One of them was in goal. And actually the fat one uh was up front and <laughs> and he bossed their defence. 
but you should have heard the effing and the blinding. <laughs> You're like, seriously, Lucy. So at the end of the match, I had to call everyone together. And bear in mind that we'd won. We weren't happy. <laughs> it's the first time we'd won. And I had to remind everybody that we were actually doing this for fun. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I didn't want us to lose. But you've never seen a bunch of grown men troop off the field with their heads down. Because these pair were not entering into the spirit of things. Finish, nothing. Fucking give me the ball, and my team talk. And it was the only time I gave a proper team talk. And calm down and stop swearing. (laughs) You know, you do remember we are English, don't you? Know, (laughs) it's not the winning; it's just the the manner in which we lose. (laughs) Seriously, had to. And then he went, "Yeah, he's right." You know, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, team talk's not an easy thing, especially the first one because you have to set the tone. And Rex was completely and utterly right. You just have to be yourself. There's no point trying to be Brian Clough or Jose Mourinho. Um, Whatever your personality is, you just need to assert that. You just say, call everybody together. And, you know, and this is what we'll discuss in Man's Hour. Things like that. Okay. Because you you lady people don't understand things like that. You see, uh, I'm. Are you with me, Yokel Bear? What? Go on. I said, are you with me, Yokel Bear? I'm just thinking I may be going out on a limb, but I mm. cannot see Yokel Bear as ever having given a team talk in his life. Oh, but isn't he some middle management person in some department? He would have chaired a meeting or two. It's the same thing. Is it? Well, not really. I don't remember huddling in any of the departments. Well, you huddle around a table. You sat around a table. Somebody gives a pa- you give your PowerPoint presentation. You rally the troops, so to speak. No, you're just trying to stop nod off and stop nodding <laughs> off and try to move the croissants and further down the table nearer to you. You. That's all that happens in my meetings. Mm, true. Mm. Well, uh, I should look forward to that. Have we got any proper alpha male type listeners? Because I've got a sneaky feeling that my man's hour is doomed to failure. Because yokel. <laughs> We need some unreconstructed... Yoko match as it gets, I think. I'm not... Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, who have we got? Goddess Diva. She's very macho. Have her That's on That's true. Um, who have we got? Ooh, I don't know. There was that nice one, but he stopped ringing in, you see. Which as soon one? as I said I liked the sound of him. That was it. We never heard from him again. Ooh, Off he went. Door mouse. Left skid marks. Uh, no, not in the other one. <laughs> I can't remember who he was now. You do scare him away, don't you? I do. Mm. I know, yes. Yeah. I don't care, really. Um, Should we do the next call now? Okay, go on. Steve. Is it bye 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 Steve. Hello, Dumpty Dum and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Steve here. Um, I'm really enjoying the orchard at the moment. The Toby and Pip shenanigans are just wonderful. I'm really enjoying it. And for Jill to discover that they'd been engaging in the Calcutta quadrille on her watch is just, oh, it's going to be amazing, that storyline is. Um, The other thing I've been thinking about is the way people talk about dinner and tea and supper. So it's definitely a social stratification, you know. Jenny Darling and Pat and Tony have supper. And if they go out, they have dinner. Whereas the Grundies um, always talk about tea. You know, they never go out for dinner or for supper. They they want the tea. And Susan and Neil are an odd couple because Susan would definitely have supper. But Neil would definitely want his tea. Banging his 
knife and fork on the table for tea. So I'm just wondering what other sort of families and things in the orchards would have supper or tea or dinner. Anyway, that's enough from me. I'm currently in a lovely pub called the Dorset Soul during Corfball in Dorset, enjoying a pint of Tangafot that I know Lucy loves. Anyway, bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Love you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Mwah. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. He wants to know about who has dinner, who has tea, and who has supper in the arches. Mm. The Grundies have tea. Jennifer has dinner, supper. Susan talks about getting the dinner on. And as he says, Neil talks about tea. What time is tea? Mm. But the best thing is he's in Corf, which is in Dorset, and it's one of my favourite places. He's drinking one of my favourite beers. And I think I can hear a little owl in the background. I sound like um, Jimus now, but I think I could, if you listen. He's always in really nice places when he rings in. He's never in a, you know, he's never in a in a warehouse in Kidderminster or anything. He's always in really nice, picturesque <laughs> pub gardens. I but, think he's being paid by the English Tourist Board to go around to places making our overseas visitors jealous and think that that's all we do in the UK. I, I, I think you're right. But this tea dinner supper thing doesn't this crisscross not only the class divide but the geographical divide within the uk because working class folk down south never call dinner or the last meal of the day tea they never do so it's not just a class thing it's a geographic thing as well no they do because um in bournemouth in bournemouth they yeah yeah they say dinner at but no, but I'm thinking of my of, of, of Simon's family. Uh, but his dad's from Manchester, so his dad's his exactly. dad calls lunch, dinner, and tea. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a it's a northern thing. The whole uh, dinner, what we call right. the tea thing, because yeah. in Brum we never did that. Actually, that's not quite true. People would say I'm going home for me tea. They would say that. Yeah, but as as everybody in the Archers has different accents we can't tell where anyone comes from can we well actually you can by their accent yeah but they're that's all supposed statement. to come from the same place <laughs> that's Next not true statement. that's um, not true our scott is from scotland our chef is from northern ireland pat is welsh but seems to have forgotten it yeah uh kirsty um, is from liverpool yeah though i take so your general point though in birmingham what did you say then for the meal that you ate at the middle of the day well it was school dinners but you had lunch, but it was lunch. Okay. And what did you have in the evening? Dinner. Okay. Though, I'm... tea was much more of a colloquial thing. You'd be playing out. Somebody says, I need to, I need to go, go in for me tea. Yeah. But you never called it that formally. It was always dinner. Whereas up north, it's tea. Yeah. And I'd never thought about that until we, until we started to have this, this uh, chat about this. But yeah, mm. you'd be playing football. Somebody says, "I need." My mum's called me in for me tea. Yeah, but they had dinner. It yeah, my just... children will say to their friends, "I've got to go in for tea," and then they'll say, "What time's dinner?" To me. Yeah, exactly. Whereas up north, it's tea, tea, isn't it? Going in for me tea. You're having your tea. Right. So Jazza should say tea for his dinner. Mm. Jimus would say dinner or supper. I think Jimmy's is a supper. Oh, really? Oh, because no, supper's a bit, supper's a bit kind of sophisticated, isn't it? Or faux sophisticated, and he doesn't really do that. Is it faux sophisticated or just oldie worldy? It's the nineteen fifties. It's quite quaint. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. No, I can't. No, I, I think it's too pretentious for for Jimmy's. I think he'd say dinner. 
two perchances for Jimus, the man who comes out with Latin phrases everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Quod erat demonstrandum. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to start listening out now to what people have. Mm. No one has brunch, thank God, apart from Fallon in that silly tea room. Well, that's a more of a marketing construct, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. go out for brunch. You never have brunch at home. You know, it's just a late no. breakfast. Yes. Mm. Oh. Um, Goddess Diva. Hi, Dunty Dom. Goddess Diva here after um, a little bit of a vacay, as they say. Nowhere. Anybody who says vacay has got to be a bit of an idiot, right? Digressing already. I had taken a bit of a, a break from the archers because it all got a little bit too much, and now I'm caught up. And I have some things I give a shit about and some things I don't give a shit about. Um, Tom and his blooming scholarship. Don't care. Couldn't care less. It's just, really, he's not into it. He's not come up with any new ideas of his own. He's nicked his sister's idea for organic baby food, and it's all just a bit shit, really. Other things I don't give a shit about. Um, well, it was the fate. But now team, now Fallon has stepped in and, and rattled Linda's cage. I'm kind of a little bit more happy about that now because, as you know, I've always been team Fallon. Things do give a shit about stalking that stalker PC Harrison's carpet burns. Seriously, Fallon was right. He's just an arrogant prat in the first place. And it wasn't persistence. It was stalking that won the heart of the fair lady. And giving the same sort of advice, and if you can see me, I actually did the bunny ears. I don't like bunny ears either to whichever fair brother Rex is it, which one should she have it? Toby in it. Yeah, so Rex about oh you've got to be persistent. No, no, if a woman says she's not interested, then she's not interested. And anything else is coercion, coercion and stalking. So anywho, I have missed you all. I'm gonna go and catch up on the actual podcast now. I think I'm too behind. And um see where else says harassment burns is encouraging rex to stalk pip no he's not he's an <laughs> he's another he's another archers listener who's just got an obsession and you need to <laughs> drop it with this poor harassment right <laughs> he's just a nice guy no he was pretty persistent with fallon and that can be irritating but yeah but you know he he dares wins and all of that he stayed the corpse and he's got the prize it makes her sound like she's a washing machine oh stop it you know what i mean Come on, the prize. He's won two weeks in Benidorm. one of love. There you go. Love. Okay, well, maybe. The, you see, the biggest sign, if I was Rex, the biggest sign for me that Toby was shagging Pip would be the fact that Toby's encouraging him to give up. You know, the only reason you'd do that is because... Yeah, well, but... actually, Toby just wouldn't care, really, would he? Well, no, because it does show that he does have some level of uh, ethics. But... You wouldn't, as if you were Rex, you wouldn't believe that he would have that he'd be doing her because for months and months you've been confiding in him and literally crying on his shoulder. You wouldn't mm. believe that your brother would knife you in the back. No, while you're knifing Pip in the front. <laughs> <laughs> you're filthy, you are. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting giddy because I'm, I'm me holliers. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh I think, yes, Goddess Diva, I do, I take a point, but I think your obsession with harassment burns is, as, as Royford says, possibly gone a little bit too far now. Um, but I, I do hope that, that, that Rex finds out soon, because this is horrible. Mm. And I don't know how he's going to find out, because, well, I presume 
one of the boys will overhear because because um hooty jill's going around going this happened Ooh, i'm not sure what i saw him leaving da, 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 da. and sooner or later I josh will you, bend. Here, i think it'll be josh won't it here's another one with an obsession jill and just hating fair brothers and she mm. always says oh it's because um their father um yeah. her elizabeth it isn't it's because of grace exactly yeah exactly you know so obsessions the listeners have them and so do the characters <laughs> uh catherine rowan jones hello my name is catherine rowan jones known as ivy fox on the twitters and ravelry um in accordance with roy field's guidelines i'm from high wickham originally from slough I was born into a dumpty dum, sorry, Archer's listening family in 1965, lifelong then, and I have worked as mm, admin, sort of document wrangler, layout, attention to detail, proofreading person. So that's my my thing. Amateur naturalist and a knitter. Uh, I'm a volunteer summariser for the Ambridge listeners page on the Ravelry website. And I'd like to say a huge thank you to Royfield, Lucy, Shambridge, and, of course, Millie Bell for making the Dumpty Dum podcast possible and also all the caller inners. I'm calling as a result of last week's Dumpty Dum um, podcast. Um, I listen every day to the episode on broadcast and immediately summarise it and type that up on Ravelry. So as a close listener, I can confirm that Anna's former partner, Max, was um, the pronoun used was he, Anna referred to him as he. So unfortunately, Ambridge still has no lesbians that I know of. Um, Miles and Belinda, no mention was made by Bruce or Arsula what the relationship, if any, is between Miles and Belinda. It was Miles is looking after the farm and Belinda has the stables and the accommodation to look after. So she could be another member of the family, I guess, because I don't think Bruce would deign to remember the names of staff. And going back to Ian, um, you thought that Ian hadn't been in contact with Helen since she was put in the chokey, or maybe he'd written. He um, sent flowers to Helen on the birth of baby Jack. Um, so I'm good at the small stuff and listening hard, not good at predictions, can never see a big picture. But I would like to speculate that what happened in Brighton, I think it's debt. I think that Toby Fairbrother accumulated debt, a loan shark or whatever is after him. Maybe he was a gambler, maybe he, don't know. But I think it's debt rather than uh, a little tiny Fairbrother that he left behind in Brighton and fled. So there we are. Thanks again for everything. Um, Look forward to hearing the next edition of the podcast, to which I almost always am to be found knitting. We have a new title. You know, we have jobs for our listeners. Like um, mm-hmm. Cosmo is um, is a sort of um, fact checker and all that. Yes. Catherine Rowan Jones is our super listener because she does the roundups mm-hmm. uh, for Ravelment. She she's very 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 sharp at at at, at uh, hearing bits that that sort of whiz past and we wouldn't notice. And she said that uh, Max is a he. 
So I was completely wrong on my assumption that, um, not assumption, but sort of slight hope, really, that um, that Max would turn out to be a lady, so mm. we could have lesbians. And um, Miles and Belinda, he said, uh, horrible Bruce said, Miles is looking after the farm, so I presume that means that Belinda, and Belinda is looking after the whatever else it was. So I presume that Belinda is Miles's missus, thus making Miles not gay either, which is kind of annoying. Um, and she reckons that Brighton was debt, not a fair baby. I don't think it's debt. I think it's a fair baby. Or maybe he's got to do some community service down there. Oh. Yep. It's some... Um, oh, I hadn't thought of that. A legal obligation. Kind, yeah, yeah. But then oh. he stretches it out by hanging out with his old muckers down there. But I think that's what Brighton is. He did something a bit so Why does Rex say, why do you have to keep going down there again? Oh, that's if true. It's, if it's a legal thing, then Rex would know that he had a responsibility. He had a kind of a, a long-standing arrangement to keep going back there. That's true. All right, you've blown a hole through my theory. Well done. It's got to be something like that, though, hasn't it? It's got to be something that's a an obligation. Oh. Mm. Anyway. An, an informal one. That's why I think it's a. I, that's why I think it's a. It's a woman and a baby, and she's asking him for more money. But then, surely, then Rex would understand if it's a baby because he's actually a, a good bloke, and you'd understand why you might want to see your baby. But we're talking about eagle-eared listeners, aren't we? Mm. Mixing metaphors and stuff. Um, Nancy on the forum, she said, "Was anyone else taken aback when Rob said, I just need to get to the knife drawer in front of Pat.'" Yes. Yeah. Well done. I that had passed me by. Well, that's why I put it in me monologue. Oh, did you? Did. Oh, well done. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> just pull, I was yeah. just pulling your chain. But she said it also. She said yeah, it also. Yeah. So well done. Well done. No, I did because I was thinking, is Pat gonna react to that? Is she gonna say, Oh, ooh, yes. You know. And then pull a knife out and finish the job. Yes. Oh, wouldn't that have been nice? Sadly <laughs> <sighs> New York, Nigel. Hello, Lucy and Roy Field and Millie Bell and fellow Dumpty Dumas. It's New York Nigel calling from a very hot and sultry city. Not that Ambridge needs any help on the hot and sultry front at the moment. It's a reality docudrama turned into a sort of Mills and Boone meets Jude the Obscure. We've had condom machines in the bull toilets, which is quite frankly a mental picture I can well do without, because now I have to imagine Kenton refilling the stock. Groin strains and friends with benefits, hookup dates arranged on the back of a tractor, clandestine half-naked flights from a farmhouse, and old Justin Elliott turned into a rutting walrus snorting down the telephone. I'm surprised Brian didn't recognise the sounds, given his ample experience in the area. All we need now is Adam on Grinder and Jim as helping Auntie Cardboard with her OK Cupid profile. It's all a bit of a raunchy giggle, and I have to say I'm quite enjoying it. But I'm sure it'll all come to an end when old spare room Dorothy throws cold water on all the ardour next week. Two other little things. 
I'm with Lucy on the Anna Tregoran front. Lady Barrister gets emotionally involved with her cases, but Gentleman Barrister just does his job. Why aren't we hearing about how Rob's Barrister is getting an inappropriate crush on his incapacitated client? And isn't there already enough emotional baggage to this story without juicing it up with this sort of mildly sexist cliché? And finally, sorry to go all Linda Snell on the elderflower cordial, but is it pronounced Belvoir or Beaver, like the castle? Can they charge more because it's got some sort of French social cachet if you say Beaver? Well, no, Belvoir, I suppose. Anyway, who knew economics was so complicated? Happy holidays, Lucy, and speak soon. Bye for now. His mental image of Kenton restocking condom machines. I bet he hums. He'd hum something while he was doing it, wouldn't he? Hmm. Kenton, yeah. Um, Beaver Castle is pronounced Beaver Castle, and the the elderflower cordial from beaver is pronounced beaver cordial there we go right yes no rude jokes please um stop sniggering uh i'm, not, I'm laughing this is a proper fully fledged laugh <laughs> should we do the should we quickly do the um elderflower cordial retail price index yes uh because i know people sometimes just listen to this that and then don't bother listening to the rest of the show so i'll just tell you that now Uh, Mar- Marbella Sue says, at Iceland in Puerto Banus, Marbella Bottle Green Cordial is €4.50. Uh, and mm-hmm. there is an important elderflower development at Toll Puddle, says my <laughs> You could never, you know, you just never know when important elderflower developments are going to pop up. And in unlikely places like Toll Puddle. Uh, it's elderflower champagne. Uh, and it's very reasonable. £1.20 for a small cup. Goodness, that sounds like an absolute yes. bargain. I don't know how much the elderflower champagne is, but a small cup is £1.20. Um, so well worth martyring yourself for, if you're going <laughs> to say. Well done. That was very clever. Well done. <laughs> so um, why do you, can you only drink that stuff in Australia then? Why? Isn't that where the toll pod has ended up when they Did shipped they? off to I Australia? Don't know. What happened to them after that? I, I think no, so. That far. Oh. Mm. Right. Yep. So that's We're not going to segue on to talking about the infighting in the Labour Party, are we now? Now we've done Tom no. Puddle Martyrs. Good, good. Let's keep Fade politics up. out of this podcast. Yes. But if anybody does want to listen to uh, Mid-Atlantic, um, it's uh, fresh on iTunes, done yesterday. And uh, we discussed Donald Trump and Theresa May's first... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Speaking power. It's called Bit Atlantic. You can get it on iTunes today. Ah, is it time for an advertisement break? Yeah. Awesome. When you don't have a roof over your head. Build that wall. Build that wall. There was Build nothing marked wall. classified on my wall. emails, Build either send or receive. Build that wall. I Build am wall. humbled Build to have been wall. chosen by Build the Conservative Party Build to become its leader. said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the ocean from the perspective of the other. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kidson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths offer you... Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. I've just had a look at the Dumpty Dum shop. They've got no tracksuits, but they do do t-shirts, which are very flattering. Nice if you want to show off your figure a little bit. Nick couldn't carry one off, of course, but I can. G'day everyone. Um, There hasn't been a lot of activity on the forum page this week. Maybe you've all gone on holiday, something I'd like to do because it's really cold here at the moment. But uh, a few of the threads that you might want to jump in and discuss are, was anyone else taken aback when Rob said dot dot dot? Culverts, Ed Grundy and Charlie Culpable question mark by Kelly Schroeder. Uh, Bruce, there's a discussion about Bruce by Dusty Substances, of course. And It's a Jolly Holiday with Henry by Stephen Simpson. Uh, so if you'd like to join in one of those threads or you'd like to start your own, dumptydum.com forward slash forums and get involved. We asked on our Facebook page what else Kate would need to make the yurt really special. Not that there was much left for her to take, of course. <laughs> Bruce Simpson said... Adding passion fruit really improves a strawberry yurt, I always find. <laughs> um, Cara Littlewood Aquarius said everything she wanted to post was utterly vulgar, so she couldn't. Alicia Wallace uh, suggested a, sh- a crystal chandelier. Nancy Dickey suggested a bulldozer. And Cormac Pertil said some of Brian's Chateau Lafitte 
Why should Jenny be the only one making all the sacrifices? Uh, a few more in that vein. Very funny. There was a small observation made that one of the lighter items on national news here in Australia uh, one morning was about the heat wave in the UK. I then drove to work and I listened to the arches as I do every morning and it rained right throughout the episode. And, uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I just thought that was really funny. And uh, I, I guess that that's one of the challenges when scripts are written so far ahead. Rachel Hannah said she'd noticed it too. It's nothing compared to Australia, but it has been scorching where she is. And Alison Butler said, Linda describing Fallon's fake plans as a coup, coup is also a bit awkward right, right now. Actually, yes, you're right. I haven't even thought of that. And uh, finally, whilst being very impressed that Linda would try to organise a fate with only a few weeks to go, I was I was personally very impressed with the modern approach by Fallon. So when it all went to poo, I was quite taken aback and I wondered if anybody else agreed. Nicholas Barnes said, rather than Fallon arguing the toss, wouldn't it have been better for her to have called Linda out on the that is what people want, what they look forward to and what they enjoy statement? Good point. Rachel Kennedy said it's not just Linda that's behind the times, it's the kids. No self-respecting child will be seen playing Minecraft. They'll all be playing Pokemon Go. Now there's a thought. Ambush-themed Pokemons. Yes, well done, Rachel. Uh, Gordon Jackson said, I'm sure they'll kiss and make up. Friday night is usually a good episode for a happy ending. Somebody, uh, somebody, someone said something about the sniff. Oh, Karen Cunningham said, I can't bear Linda's sniff smell. Hideous snob, a nouveau riche of the worst variety. Well done, Fallon. When she sniffed during that meeting, when she started to be confronted by Fallon, I loved it. I thought this was absolutely the very best of Linda. Diane Telford said she's in Team Fallon. If a fate isn't there to boost local business in this day and age, then you are doing it wrong. And I'm going to leave the last word to Glim Fuller Love, who said, for Linda, a fate worse than death. Oh, very nice, Glim. Okay, so that's our roundup. If you'd like to get involved, uh, please find us on Facebook, where you will find uh, many of us silly listeners. And if you would like to get involved in the forum, as I said, dumptydum.com forward forum. Until then, I shall see you next week. Hooroo! Thank you, Miss Millie Bell. That was a uh, most... Mo- I enjoyed that this week. Um, now, uh, Luce. Yeah. Do you want to hit us with some tweets of the week? Yes. Yokel Bear said, had Kate saying, this is authentic Mongolian nomad. And Jennifer saying, oh, stop <laughs> yakking on. Thank <laughs> 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 you. I'm here all week. <laughs> Bob Hawkins <clears throat> says... This is about Tom's venturing into John, the baby food market. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can we just look back our truck up a little? Yeah. Anybody wants to see some proper <laughs> Mongolian yurts that are done out quite lavishly, um, I recommend you get yourself over onto Netflix and watch Marco Polo. Second season, lots of yurts there uh, with Kublai Khan. Uh, and uh, when he's uh, knocking about and he likes to have his quorum tie. And they're all th- these yurts can be pretty spectacular and all sorts. Yeah, and they're all eaten with the fingers, and it's all barbecued this and barbecued that. And does it look like horses. home farm inside? Absolutely. Well, it looks really quite lavish. Is there an Albion kitchen and a white wine fridge? <laughs> well, to be fair to Kate, and a bewildered septuagenarian sex addict sitting well, in the corner. To be fair to Kate Aldridge, she didn't yank out her mother's kitchen and put it in the yurt. She took out a mirror yes. and a couple of rugs 
and all the silver uh, and some other stuff. But the kitchen was and actually the left. Sets. Yeah. Well, that's the silver, isn't it? Only because she couldn't unscrew it, probably. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's it's quite good. Here an Alan key and she'd have the old bloody lot out. That's true. That is true. She would. But um, it, it went well, though, didn't it? Did. Mm. They, Which is quite good, because I thought, oh, we, we can't uh, kind of have, have another another disaster. You know, it's, something's got to go well, hasn't well, it? Well, we did kind of call this many months ago, that actually this yeah. is going to be where, where Kate actually shines. She actually knows what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, because, yeah, when it comes to sort of first world problems and um, endless uh, self-indulgent nonsense, there is nobody more expert than Kate, I suppose. So it w- would make sense that this is something she'd be well qualified when when we prattle on about the problems of doing this podcast, arguably that's very much a first world problem. Yes, I know, but we only moan about it for one hour a week. She does it all the bloody time. <laughs> True that. All right. Now, tweet number two. Yes, uh, this is Bob Hawkins uh, when 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 uh, talking about when Tom is about to venture into the baby food market. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing nothing about a particular market has never held Tom back before where ready meals are concerned. This is true. Um, chaotic summed everything up for us when he said, I want to go on a plate meter. It did sound quite fun, didn't it? Whatever the hell it is. Mm. someone found a picture of one and it was just like a set of scales that you put electronic digital scales that you just sat on the middle of a load of grass it was a bit boring really in real life as these things so often are um d daily said oh hello kate how lovely to hear your stuck up entitled voice (laughs) i do think that would (laughs) oh here she is again the silly cow and paul truman uh, said I hope everyone who wanted the archers to get back to proper stories is enjoying the shit out of this gripping silage plot line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all right, Paul. Yes, we know you had your your moment of glory, um, but now we're getting back to fates and, um, and the flower and produce and Linda having a huff and sniffing and, you know, where the hell Georgie's going to sleep. And there we go. You know, I generally fall asleep when they do the agricultural stuff and then I bemoan yeah. the fact they're talking about sheep and stuff. Yeah. Is the silage the grass? Well, no, silage is cut is grass that's cut. Right. And, it, like, and, this, and stuff and it's left to kind of ferment. And so it's it's sort of like it's so then it act through the winter, it keeps them going through the winter. Okay. So the silage bit was that Pip and David? Yeah. The fact that there is that the grass is no good now means that they're going to have to buy in silage because they won't have enough because the grass won't keep the cows going for long enough. Right. Uh, well, it's a bit like running out of your Ricardo shop too soon hmm. and having to go to the corner shop and paying more for stuff. Having to, like, you know, put on dark sunglasses and pull your hoodie up and nip into Iceland or yes. little, little. There you go. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Now, we know that Pippi's going to inherit the farm and she's going to be very good in her stewardship of it. There you go. I couldn't say that um, off the cuff. Um, And this was just another marker of that, wasn't it? That she actually schooled her dad. He messed up, she realised, and she told him. Yeah. Good on you, Pippi. It's not like she's ever done anything wrong, is it? Well, she was a bit bloody pompous, but then there's nothing like, you know, youth to... um, uh, like to kind of uh, yeah. lord it over when older people have made mistakes. So. Mm. But I, I, yeah, 
all, all of that couldn't agree more but it's just another little marker as to how that yeah she's this competent farm we've had all these little instances in the last 18 months you know and uh, that was just another one and i thought oh yeah i know the reason why they've said that the farm doesn't automatically go to her does it Mm, well the will hasn't been made has it no we've got to have that old bloody six month saga of who gets what haven't we Mm. well if we're gonna do brian and adam Mm. uh, their will this Mm. this can't happen for another five years at least yeah you know david is still relatively young isn't he yeah mid 50s or something or another yeah yeah Mm. Anyway, anyway, that's me done. Oh, right. Smashing. Well, let's just wrap this up because uh, I'm off now. I'll go I've, I've got things I need to do over here in, in the good old US of A. Right, folks, we've got a shop. It's on www.com. Um, I was actually trying to go on to our report today uh, to, before we start the show to see who'd bought what. Couldn't find it because it's been so Hooray! long. So long since I've actually that's even... because I've found it and deleted it. Clicked on the link. Shush, Freeman. That... Um, my automatic login didn't even work and I didn't know what the password is so <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry folks next week all will be revealed so dumdydum.com go there it's got shops got some other stuff too uh, like forums and there you go now iTunes reviews they're really important because they help uh, us to get uh, new listeners onto the show so you don't even have to use itunes to be able to go on to itunes and write a review so if you have uh if you do not have an apple device you can still go to itunes.com uh, fiddle around you've got to sign up just go and write us a review because that'd be awesome smashing uh now another way you can help us is uh by going on to um our website and you can do that uh you can help us by hitting our donate button or you can go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about £1.30. Mm. Really can I just un- tell you where I, where I got a bit distracted then? Because I went all over the place. No, it was me. It was because I was reading a tweet that I, I thought I couldn't really put it in the tweets of the week, but it did just really make me laugh. It was such a lovely exchange. It was between Loma Lindy 12 mm. and Hugsy. And she said, I'm idly wondering what kind of biscuits Piggy has in her jar. I'm thinking Gary Baldy for some reason. And then Hugsy, and then she said to Hugsy, what were those pink wafery ones again? Not that I'm overly focusing on biscuits, you understand. <laughs> and then he just replied and put, they're called pink wafers. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh dear. When people say to <laughs> to us you know, 30 years time what was it like being at the birth of social media we can say well it meant we could find out what the official name for biscuits was <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> I, I think she'd have hobnobs and then what was that slice that wasn't it, was it cherry bake wasn't it cherry bake or there was that there was that episode about a year ago which is ended it by saying anybody for a old fondant fancy <laughs> that was it that was a tribute to victoria wood i'm fairly sure <laughs> mm. uh right and next week i'm gonna get out my um uh, exchange rate uh calculator thing and that 
update that bit of our script because we can't be saying one pound thirty when it's nowhere near one pound thirty. It's more like one pound. It's about a bottle of elderflower cordial and toll puddle. Exactly. No, it's a glass of toll puddle champagne. Mm. Oh, true. Yes, like that. Remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website, or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a telephonic message. On social media, specifically Twitter, you can find us where we're at Me, I'm at Royfield, spelled R-O-I for India, F-I-E-L-D. Sarah Smith is at Sarah underscore Smith, and Harriet is at Shambridges. On the Book of Face, where we are rapidly approaching our 1,300th Like a Lurker, we are quite simply Dumbly Dum. So go onto the search box in the Book of Face, type in Dumbly Dum, and you'll uh, find the Dumbly Dum fun uh, marshaled by one Miss Millie Bell. Hurrah! Now, um, have you got anything you would like to say before I say goodbye? No, thank you. Apart from I'd still like to know where my flipping cup of tea is. <laughs> Well done. One hour, you. nine minutes. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> I don't know what happened at the end of last week's recording. Well, last oh, yeah, week's you edit. were chuntering away to yourself and then I disappeared and then I couldn't get hold of you back again. So I gave up and then I got a little plaintive message from you saying it was very interesting anyway or whatever it was. Um, That's not what I was referring to. Oh, no, there was um an, a little bit of a snafu on the old recording which um, I'd never come across before because everything was actually on the recording. But on the edit, the very end, you were mysteriously missing when I was talking about jumping in the space car, in, in, the, in, the, in the Tesla. <laughs> oh, the Tesla, and you were just chuntering away to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a sharp-eared listener, well, somebody's just got bloody ears at work, who downloaded it first, went, aye, aye, something's up here. Royfield, you're talking to yourself. There's no Lucy, and uh, which is not at all what people want from this podcast. If it's the other way around, I think people put up with it. But anyway, so um, I don't know how that happened, uh, but I managed to rescue it. So, uh, so if you were one of the first, I don't know, couple of hundred people to download it, you've got um, a bespoke, <laughs> unique recording of Dum Dee Dum. But yeah, it's a collector's item. Give Absolutely. it a couple of years. Yeah. Absolutely. You'd be able to flog that for loads on uh, eBay. Uh, right. Uh, that's just about me done. Other than to say, that Helen Zaltzman has been sniffing around. What's all that about? I don't know. She wanted to know a thing, and then she found out the thing, but she said thank you to us for offering to tell her the thing anyway. Well, listeners, because th- this woman would be quite good to have on our on Derek's uh sofa bed on his camp bed or whatever so yeah. if anybody feels like uh they want to go out to helen zaltzman on social media and say why don't you appear on dumpty dum that'd be most excellent because she does yeah. some rather good podcasts um i listen to her and she's very 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 funny and um then i won't seem so desperate if i just ask her so if we can just summon <laughs> up the uh, collective dumpty dum uh tweeting massives to uh, tweet Helen Zaltzman and say, you really should go on Dumbly Dum, should give it a listen. Because if she mentioned our show on hers, uh, we'd absolutely have a bump in, in listeners. Okay. Just a little subtle hint for people. Bumpy listeners, that's what we want. That's it. Right. Now, um, I think I'm done. Oh, other than to okay. say, it's nice to know that people uh, had a nice play with the true size map because it's lots of fun. Yeah. And... Um... 
and uh, Sholly Brolly, Sean, is going to use it uh, to, in his teaching next term. I met Sean, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, he's lovely. like him. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's lots of fun and it does show how... Yeah, it's just lots of fun. Stop no repeating myself. It's lots of fun. Go do it. TheTrueSizeMap.com Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Cool. All right, Freeman, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. Oh, yes. So what you got to do now, other than make yourself a cup of tea? Uh, I have got to write a piece about Shula. Do some filing. It's oh. all glamour. <laughs> <sighs> what about you? Can you hear me? Yes. What about oh, you? What did you I do? just pull that in my mic? Um, I got to edit Dumpty Dum. I'm going to go to an acupuncturist. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just having a. I think my chi is a, is out of balance with 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 me with me chai. So right. all of that's getting put back in alignment. Blimey. And um, yeah, so I'm kind of a. I don't know what the word is exactly, but I kind of want to believe in all of that malarkey. Yeah. And uh, and it'd just be kind of good fun to do it. So I'm gonna have some pins put in me. Okay. And and I will uh, no doubt report back. And then hopefully um, and then tomorrow I'm gonna have a podcasting break. So Are you? yeah, just gonna put my feet up and uh, as as men do, and then scratch me balls, put me hand down my trousers as, as you uh, <laughs> as you said. Right. I wonder if we can get bye 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 Steve. As part of a, the man's hour. Yeah. But we need... But I suppose it's because it's Radio 4 and then it's because it is the Archers. But we need a proper blokesy bloke yeah. on there. And that would be just really good fun. Because a blokesy bloke is not Andrew Horn. With, with all due respect. No, he's really not, is he? You know, just because you need to compare and contrast. So you have... If you Archie have game, man, more of a blokesy bloke. <laughs> That is very true, actually. <laughs> that is very true. Because, you know, it'd be a bit like... Um, what's that show that ha- on ITV in the morning with all the women around it? Dirty... Loose women. Loose dirty, women. Dirty women. <laughs> no. I was going to say dirty talk. <laughs> Mucky filth. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know it's called, that's called Percy filth. Percy filth. <laughs> but um, it'd be really good if we had... Someone who's a bit blokesy blokey, someone who's a little bit of a posh posh knob, Andrew Horn, a gay guy, yokel bear, and then I can just be the metrosexual floating around type of person. But we need somebody you need you need mm. a bit of mm. So we yeah. Do you know do you know any men? No. So I don't know. Any <laughs> <even>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have been recording this. I stopped uh, recording. I'm I'm still going. Oh, please send it over because okay. I will whack it in. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little. Not me so. saying it, saying Auntie Jean was more of a macho no, bloke I'll, than. Listen, I'll, well, that's quite funny. I think. She's, <laughs> <laughs> but please send it over, and I'll, I'll say it's the end, and I'll say now, here is some bonus, bonus, bonus material, material for people who are still bonus Percy filth. Yeah, <laughs> and then we'll just throw. It Why in don't there, either of us know any men? That's quite worrying. Yeah, like men that really well. Yeah, that at least will have something to contribute about the archers anyway. Maybe they don't even need, really need to contribute. Just say, oh, that sounds crap. You know, maybe. <laughs> so they have to be from Yorkshire? Happen as they do, lass. 
<laughs> My God, he's Emmerdale. <laughs> hey, Mar, it's right, Parky. Um, who could we have? We must know someone. It shows you what rarefied, elitist, faux, middle class. Kerry, that we... he's Butch. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, I'm just making myself laugh now. Um, oh, blimey. Well, let's, let's park that thought. We've yes. got three weeks before it actually happens. But you're off when you are Friday or something. Uh, I am. All right. Yay. So maybe uh, you have a think before Friday and ping me an email or something or another. And uh, okay. yeah, it, it, I just I'm quite up for this man's hour thing. I, yeah, I can be, tell you're yeah. excited in a man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can hang up some bush people. <laughs> yeah. All right. Love you lot. Uh, adieu. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.